live to see it, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about what's happening in the world today and where the world is going, and we're not afraid to take a kind of a contrarian view about what's happening in the world and where the world is going. To wit, if you're not eager to see what's coming next, if you're not brimming with anticipation about each dawning day, in short, if you're not totally excited about the future, then you're just not paying attention. But that's okay. If you're not paying attention, that's what we're here for, is to get you caught up. And uh, what we've got to tell you is that we stand on the brink of what may be a very bright future, a future that few of us have even imagined, much less hoped for, a future that few of us expect, but that we will all want to live to see. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm super fantastic. How are you, my friend? <laughs> Brimming with anticipation, but Phil. <laughs> well, that's what I like to hear. All right. All right. So uh, you've, you're, you're tanned, rested, and ready, I understand. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, um, uh, last uh, last week I was in San Antonio having a great time there, went to SeaWorld, had a bunch of fun there. Uh, then went to Austin with a family and had even even more fun in Austin. And uh, got some got some tales to tell when we're ready. All right. Well, we we want to check in on your Austin stories. First, we want to say hi to our chat host, Michael Darling, who I believe is also with us in the virtual studio. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm uh, I'm great. All right. Glad to hear that. We're uh, looking forward to getting your review of the uh, Clone Wars here in just a few minutes. But first, Stephen's going to tell us all about his. Uh, uh, 50 words or less, what I did on my summer vacation. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, are you, are you guys familiar with the website, Ain't It Cool News? Uh, uh, yeah, I've been there a couple times. Yeah. Harry Knowles is the, uh, is, the, is the guy that runs that website, and he has a hangout in Austin, uh, the Alamo Draft House. Awesome, awesome place to go, uh, to go see a movie. Uh, I, uh, based on having been to that guy's website a number of times and having heard him brag about it all these years uh, since basically 97, how, how long I've been reading that website, I felt like I had to go. And um, it was great. I mean, you, you, you go in, you sit down, there's like a little table in front of you uh, when you sit down to watch the movie, and you fill out uh, like, uh, you know, what you want on this uh, on a piece of paper, fold it up, put it in front of you like a flag. Waitress comes by, takes your paper, brings you food and drinks and whatever. And no kids are in there because they serve alcohol. And so, man, it was awesome. No kids, you know. I mean, it's uh, I mean, a, a movie once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a movie theater without kids uh, is, is pretty awesome. Um, the, the movie I went to was wouldn't have been appropriate for kids anyway. Uh, Tropic Thunder was the name of it. And uh, remember how I said that uh, Wanted was about the bluest movie I'd seen in a long time. Uh, right. This was every <laughs> this was every bit as bad. I mean, uh, but you talk, but it was a whole lot more fun. This was one of the funniest spoofs I've seen. I don't know. I can't. I can't name when I've seen something that you know. It would literally go from laugh to laugh to laugh throughout the entire thing. I, I thought it was hilarious. Well, two things I've heard about it, and you can you can uh, tell me if this is true or not. 
is that uh, the, the movie's good, but the first few minutes uh, are trailers for movies that don't exist is the best part. Is, would you agree with that? That's what I've heard. It was genius. That that beginning of that that movie was, I mean, the perfect perfect setup for that. Uh, because this this I, I I don't think it'll take too much away from it, uh, and I don't think we're giving anything away. The trailers that they show are for uh, you know uh, are showcase the actors that you're going to get to see in this movie Tropic Thunder. And Not the actual actors, but the actors that these actors actors are portraying like. exactly. Yeah, the characters in the movie. Yeah, okay, gotcha. And uh, just brilliant. I mean, brilliant. You, you they introduce you and in, in, in within seconds. Each you see, you know what kind of character these people are, and, and what kind of what what they're known for, and 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 the baggage they're carrying into the Tropic Thunder movie, and just brilliant. And uh, and so uh, it's you, you got to see it uh, if if, uh, if you don't mind, uh, uh, you know <laughs> language that's incredibly foul, and uh, and 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 if, and if you don't go in with. Uh, uh, being too easily offended because if no matter what group you're a member of, it will get skewered in this movie. Um, so, so it's universal in its uh, in its in its skewering. Exactly, exactly. And, now, now, the other thing I heard is that uh, the big spoiler—I won't give it away—but the big surprise of the movie is uh, who's playing the fat guy, and most people have to actually get to the credits at the end before they realize who that is. Okay, I didn't watch the credits. Hmm, have I missed something important? Um, I'll tell you in the back channel. Okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, that was that was it was a great movie. Go see it. Uh, if, if you ever get a ch if you're ever in Austin or there's an Alamo Draft House in your neighborhood, uh, that's that's the place to go check out a movie sometime. It's it's worth it. The food it was wonderful, and so yeah, Alamo Draft House cool. Movie is great. Go see it. All right, um, good stuff. So now, have you read the back channel? Do you see the Do you see the name there? Uh, let's see. Um, my apologies. Did you know this? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. I, I, knew, I, knew, it, I knew at the moment I saw it. Okay, well, apparently some people aren't figuring that out and don't know until they see the credits. Yeah, I mean, the moment I, I saw that actor on screen, I, I, I didn't know it was a secret, actually. Okay. Oh, well, it's not a secret, but apparently some people aren't figuring it out. Well, it was, uh, it, it was also a brilliant portrayal by that particular actor, and if you can't figure it out, then... Uh, you, Stay for the credits, but I I, I recognize that actor immediately. But anyway, uh, um, there was another funny thing that happened over the weekend. I think I, I, it, it's it's worth uh, it's worth telling. There, I was staying in the Hyatt Regency Hotel right there on the town lake, which is next to a bridge that crosses the lake. There, this bridge is 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 uh, it's the Congress Street Bridge, and it's known for having like two million bats that live underneath it. And every night, these bats come out, and there's so many of them, people stand out there just to watch them. And it's a pretty amazing sight to see them go. And I was out there and with, with you know, my family and everything, and this guy, who's a homeless guy, is standing out there, and he's wearing a cheerleader suit, complete with, I mean, the whole, I mean, and it was funny because he wasn't, you know, you know, you expect a transvestite's got to at least try, you know, to look look female. Well, he's got a beard, and you know, <laughs> I mean, but he's he's wearing this all. It was hilarious. He was out there, he was cheering, and somebody asked him, "What you cheering for?" And he, the bats, you know, he's he was going nuts about the bats, <laughs> and and so, and so he was like, and, he, and then he addressed the crowd, "If if a bat falls to the ground, do not touch it. The bats, uh, you know, it might be rabbit or have other diseases." 
And I lean over to my kids and say, you know, I never thought I'd, I'd say this, but listen to the uh, the homeless guy uh, dressed as a cheerleader. He, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he's giving good advice. <laughs> these are real pearls of wisdom here. And so, you know, anyway, it, it, and it was worth going out to see that as well. I mean, the, it, the, the sky was filled with bats for a long time. I mean, it was worse then. So, wow. Yeah. But uh, it was a fun trip. It was a fun trip. Kind of a scene out of the the uh, uh, the Dark Knight, maybe with the bats. Oh yeah, exactly like that. Actually, it's the first one. I can't remember the name of the, the Batman. Yeah, Batman begins. begins. Yeah. Um, my Michael Darling is asking is that. what kind of cheerleader was he? Universe, uh, University of Texas cheerleader. Oh uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's, that's what he was. Uh, he was did you take pictures? Uh, did not get a picture of that guy. I did not want to encourage him. <laughs> he looked like he wanted to have a conversation with somebody, and uh, as, um, uh, he, he may uh, he may be an Austin treasure because it seemed like everybody you know the locals that were like jogging by on the on the path were you know high Frank you know they were they knew him you know they all he, knew him yeah yeah he, he's he's the almost guy dressed as a cheerleader apparently that's and obviously thing. he knew the bat process so that's yeah <laughs> he's, he's, apparently he's the uh, he's the spokesman for that uh, the local spokesman okay well good glad to hear you had a had a good time on vacation we're glad to have you back not that you ever missed a week of the show or anything like that. But, uh, <laughs> The, the blogging was a little light, not that I have any right to complain about that. Um, now, uh, before, Michael, we get to your uh, review of The Clone Wars, I just want to say I, I didn't mention what our topic was going to be tonight. We are talking about long shots, uh, long shot futures. We're going to talk about unlikely but desirable futures. We'll be getting to that in just a few minutes after Michael tells us all about The Clone Wars. So go. Let's, uh, let's, you know, tie it together here. If if Lucas is on a path to now do backstory and side stories and the rest of the universe contemporaneous with the uh, the Star Wars sextet, um, it is a long shot, and it's not there yet. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sorry. It was, it was uh, 100% CGI, which is... Not not a problem for me. I mean, actually, some of the animation was weaker than I expected. I thought it would be uh, a little bit more visually awesome. There were some awesome visuals, but for the most part, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much in league with the best of the best on Saturday mornings right now. And um, and yet I went with a group of 8, eight to 10-year-olds. They loved it. And so I was like, oh, clearly this isn't aimed at me. This was aimed at them. And I think it hit. I, I think it hit the mark with them. They all were, you know, excited about the characters, and they were excited about the story, and the jokes worked. And so it's like, okay, it worked. So you well, know, one of the things that uh, that Stephen you had said about the Dark Knight was that that's not one for kids. Um, here's one that maybe is for kids, but not for grown-ups, right? So, yeah. and, and there's a few movies that came out that are that work pretty well either way, like Iron Man, which would be kind of the. You know, you can. Just, you know, well, my thought is that a good kids movie can entertain adults too, though. If it doesn't entertain like adults, right. yeah. You know, and Star Wars ought to be able to entertain adults. You know, um, if not, then you know you're going for the, I, I guess, the Ewoks movie type level. Um, right. And, and you know, why bother? You know, why not? Exactly. If you're, you're going to make Star well, Wars, make it awesome. I, I, I'm actually hopeful that uh, if this is the beginning of a whole CGI spinoff, whether it is a TV show or they have some other, you know, they have a theatrical release and then DVD and then fill it in with, uh, whatever the plan is, I'm hopeful that it could get better. Um, yeah. It wasn't bad. I'm not, 
You know, don't don't the, don't the plan is this dog it. It's uh, it's it's supposed to be a Cartoon Network series that starts this fall. Yeah, well, already, apparently, that apparently they've already got a can uh, or for the show this fall. Apparently. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, it was just basically a big promo for that show. Yeah. If you know, if that if that works for you, go for it. See, so so bottom line is uh, thumbs down for grown-ups. Uh, kids might like it though. Yeah, and I would say yeah, thumbs sideways for the grown-ups because if you're uh, if you really get the Star Wars mythology, there's a few things that happen in this that you would not want to be unaware of. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's like it's like the bad Star Trek Next Generation episodes. Um, you don't want to you don't want to miss, for example, that Data slept with Yar. You want to know that, even though it was a bad oh, episode. Right, even though that happened in a bad episode. Yeah, right. because it foreshadowed some good episodes after that. Yeah, I, I see what you well, mean. Well, mainly Data slept with Yar. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's an important fact. Absolutely, yeah, and it is later. Yeah, it is. Okay. okay. Uh, that's that's a right, good so, point. Uh, so I, I'll have to take the kids anyway, so that, that gives me some, some, a reason to actually see it for myself. I, I appreciate it. If that. you're there a you complete go. geek who doesn't want to be missing out on any vital <laughs> geek knowledge about Star Wars, go see this. Is that is that uh, what I'm trying to say? I would say that's a fair uh, fair appraisal. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I have a copy of uh, Star Wars Christmas Special, so I guess that's... <laughs> 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 if i got to be a completist, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I read a review I read a review that compared uh, uh, the new movie, The Clone Wars, unfavorably to the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, so, man. Uh, you're yeah. scraping the bottom of the bottom here, I think. <laughs> but uh, you should share that around, uh, Stephen. You got that on DVD? I'd like to see that, actually. Maybe. Okay, I'll get you a copy. No we'll problem. talk about that afterwards. We've got other things to talk about. Uh, this is this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're going to be talking about long shot futures. And if you'd like to join our conversation, we're going to be looking for the best long shot future that a Fast Forward Radio listener provides us, either uh, via chat or uh, by calling into the program, or who leaves comments on the blogger here at uh, Fast Forward Radio. Give us your give us your best hoped for. Not likely, but you'd still like to see it happen future. And the winner, when selected, is going to get what, Stephen? Well, a coffee mug, right? <laughs> that is correct. A, okay. not, not just any coffee mug, a fast-forward radio coffee mug. And by the way, a big one. It's uh, uh, it's not we. It's, uh, it's too, oh. <laughs> too late. I'm sorry. I'm not anywhere near the switchboard at the moment. Never mind. The, the, the point is it's a great big coffee mug. It's got the fast-forward radio logo on it, uh, it's, uh, it, it's... We have three sizes, we, not so we, and friggin' huge! <laughs> it's friggin' huge! <laughs> it's friggin' huge, man. <laughs> so, um, so it's well worth it. We've, we've, uh, used these in the past to help people, uh, stir their imaginations to start coming up with ideas to how to solve the world's problems. Uh, this week, uh, you know, and, and probably running into next week, we're, we're probably gonna do this over two weeks. It's, this one's more fun. Uh, just to get people thinking about these kind of long-shot futures, these uh, less than 100% guaranteed locked-in futures that uh, that we're still looking forward to. So I'll start. I'll, I'll give an example of one because I think that uh, probably uh, gets us going on this faster than, than anything else. Um, I, I do want to say that they can be big. They can be little. They can be scenarios for the whole world, or they can be one little technological development that you'd really like to see happen. So uh, I, I've brought a list uh, for the program this evening that – that I think works from smaller to, to bigger. And we've got a great list we should mention from our friend uh, Brian Wang, uh, who is the director.
director of research for the Lifeboat Foundation, and uh, we, we had invited him to be part of the program tonight. He was not able to join us, but he sent us uh, a, a bunch of good ideas about uh, long shots that, that he's uh, hoping will come in. So we'll be using those, and I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to send Brian one of the mugs, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he's he's the guest. I mean, he's a guest when he even even when he isn't a guest. Uh, he's he's, he's on a great list there. And and it wouldn't be fair to put him in the running against mere mortals at this point, having looked at this list. So uh, <laughs> not 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 to say anything about our listeners who are going to come up with some great ideas. But uh, Brian is you know again he's the director of research for the Lifeboat Foundation, so he gets his own mug, and then we'll we'll, we'll continue the competition. Okay, so let's get started. Uh, my first one is. Uh, a blog post that I did just a couple of days ago uh, talked about this, and it's a little something called uh, alpha-lipoic acid. And um, apparently this stuff's been around for a while, and I, I guess there, have been, there has been research done with it before. I had not heard of it. I was not, I was not familiar with it. But Nor was I. When I. The first time I heard it, I think, was when I read your post. Okay, well, so, you know, you and I are pretty much in the same boat. Apparently the stuff has been around, and, and there has been some thought that it would have some bearing on weight loss. Um, but this research that, uh, that, that I was reporting on uh, shows something pretty, pretty startling, pretty, pretty dramatic, and that is this. Uh, you know that they do research on the life extension benefits of caloric restriction uh, on mice. Right, right. familiar with that. The, the, the because their their lifespan is so short, right? And you, so you can you can see very quickly uh, if you're getting any benefit from any particular treatment. Exactly, exactly it. You you can you, you can you know track a a number of mouse lifetimes, even extended long mouse lifetimes, over a relatively short period of time, and you know that so so, so they're a good viable uh, uh, subject for that for that kind of research. For for those who aren't familiar, it. It, it has been well established that restricting caloric intake in mice and some other species of animals um, makes them much healthier and extends their lifespan up to, what, 20, 30, 40 percent. It gives them a much longer life and a much healthier life. Uh, some human beings have attempted to emulate this, hoping to get the same benefits, and you have this kind of small community of people who go on this pretty severe uh, calorie-restricted diet in the hopes of uh, getting the same health benefits and the same life extension benefits that mice enjoy. Right. Um, and I, and, uh, they, and, and uh, it, they just, the people who really do this and who are serious about it, I mean, they look gaunt. I mean, they look a little bit like, uh, you know, they're in semi-starvation. Yeah, sem you know, supermodel to um, yeah, eating disorder, disorder almost. Yeah. But the difference being they're very healthy. These yeah. people aren't ill. They're they're very healthy, um, and uh, they have my admiration. My hat is off to them. Um, it, it is not something that I believe I would be able to do. Yeah. Um, at least Nor not I. for the rest of my life. You know, that's the thing. I look at that and go, man, I could not stay on that for the rest of my life. But here is what is so interesting about what this research with alpha lipoic acid has shown. So you you take mice and you put them on a calorie restriction diet for a few months, uh, a year, whatever the appropriate uh, period of time is, and then uh, you take uh, you take part of that population of mice and you take them off the calorie restriction diet. What do you suppose happens? Well, then they go go back to being more normal looking mice, and uh, whatever benefit they got from caloric restriction 
uh, goes away, and they they die at a normal age rather than an extended age. Exactly right. right. I mean, they, they, they might have accrued some benefit along the way, so they might live a little longer, but pretty pretty quickly they gain all the weight, right, so they become normal-sized mice. And, um, yeah, the, the benefits that they were getting from caloric restriction quickly disappear, and right. they become normal mortal mice, regular mice, except for some mice that were subjects of the experiment that I was writing about in which mice were subjected for several months to a – uh, caloric-restricted diet, and then they were taken off that, fed normally, and supplement that diet was supplemented with alpha-lipoic acid. And when they did that, these mice continued to show the same uh, basic body weight and body structure as though they had continued on uh, caloric restric restriction, and, and they had the same uh, life extension benefits. So basically, it, it, it was as though the body was fooled into believing that they were still not eating. Exactly. Uh, Irrespective of how many calories you were putting into these mice, these mice were, were staying uh, thin, and they were staying super healthy and living long, living longer, uh, even though what they were being fed was much more than, than what the other mice who were experiencing the same benefits uh, were getting. Okay, so, so has anybody tried this as a human, uh, you know, lose a bunch of weight, um, you know, going going on a pretty severe diet for a few months, and then taking ALA and, uh, and and seeing if you stay thin? Has anyone tried that yet? Well, someone is trying it. This is uh, this is this is what uh, was was reported in uh, the Mail Online, and uh, I, I quoted it in the blog post. Dr. Malcolm Goins. Um, who is a uh, researcher who's, who's done these experiments on mice. Uh, the Daily Mail reports that he wants to reduce his, his BMI. Um, sounds like a good idea, given that it's currently 31, which makes him officially obese. Right. So like any good dieter, he's cut his calorie intake, giving up full-fat milk, fried foods, and fatty snacks, such as uh, crisps and biscuits. Uh, by that, they mean potato chips and cookies. <laughs> All the things that make life worth living. Watching the BBC that I know what's going on here. Uh, and he's <laughs> yeah. replaced it with fruit, yogurt, muesli, and salads. Okay, so he's gone on a severe calorie-restricted diet. Okay. His plan is to reduce his intake to just 1,300 calories a day, well below the optimum level recommended by the British government's healthy eating guidelines, right. until he reaches his target a BMI of 18.5, at which point he intends to return to his former eating habits, supplementing it with alpha-lipoic acid, and he contends that he will keep his lower BMI and continue to accrue all the health benefits associated with that 1,300-calorie-a-day uh, diet. I hope he's right. Uh, how hard is it to get your hands on alpha-lipoic acid? Is it like... Apparently, it's not hard. I think you can get it at most, you know, if you go to a vitamin shop or uh, any place that sells um, that, that sells food supplements, it should be available. Okay. Well, I, if, if, uh, if, I, if I start here and get things, I might give that a try because... Like most dieters, I can I can hold out six months. I can I'm, I can lose weight temporarily with the best of them. Uh, it's the it's the long haul that, uh, like most people, I have a hard time like, you know keeping it off. So, uh, it, yeah. Well, I think uh, thirteen hundred calories a day. Uh, you know that would just be that would be a hard. That uh, is hard uh, even for six months for life. I, yeah. I, I don't know that I I don't know that I could do that. I I know that I can uh, change how I eat because I have done that, Me and I I managed to lose quite a bit of weight. Um, but without radically changing my diet back, I know that the weight starts coming back on. You know, it's like I'm not really on a diet. I'm supposedly maintaining. But even while trying to maintain, you know, it has this 
there's this tendency of weight to creep back up. And what is exciting to me about what Goins is talking about here is the notion that uh, maybe you can you can bottom out and then lock that in. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to pigging out. I mean, Goins talks like he can't wait to, you know, uh, lose all the weight, uh, go off the diet, and just, you know, eat whatever he wants. Uh, to me, that's not as exciting as just the idea of getting the weight off and being able to keep it off. I still want to eat healthy. You know, right, I'm not right. looking for I'm not looking for a license to have, you know, a dozen chili dogs a day or anything like that. But but the idea of not having to face this, oh, my weight's slowly working its way back up. Right. Sounds very appealing, and if alpha lipoic acid is the you know magic bullet that solves that problem, great. But even if it's something that helps, even if it's something that um, that, that just gives us a big boost in that direction, that's uh, that's still something uh, very much I think to be uh, to be looked forward to. So, so on, on our long shot scale of one to ten, uh, where would you you know just where would you guess to put that? Uh, ten being the the longest of long shots, and one being a sure thing. Okay, so one's a short shot and a ten is like just that's ridiculous. Yeah, just um, out, out in the out in the blue kind of thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, <laughs> Michael darling has got eight point three seven. Okay, thanks. Oh, I think that, I think that, I think that's overstating. I'm gonna give it about a I'm gonna give it about a five. I'll start I'll start off with that one right in the middle. Right in the dead in the middle. middle. I, I, I tell you what, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna be a little more optimistic. I'm gonna give it a three, and by that I mean not necessarily that it's the magic bullet, but that it is of some help. And that's, okay, uh, that, that there is some benefit uh, based on based on what uh, Goins is talking about there. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Okay, well, if, it, if it works really good in our in, in our little in our little cousins, the mice, then maybe maybe it'll be of some benefit to we humans. So yeah. All right. Uh, now, Michael points out in the chat room that uh, precision makes numbers real. I, I just a quick anecdote related to that. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, but our, our friend Dave Goble, the co-founder of uh, the Methuselah Foundation, left a comment on that blog post. And uh, he was talking about his own experience with giving up eating sugar and all forms of sweeteners and how that helped him to lose weight and how walking on a treadmill uh, has helped him to keep the weight off. Great uh, great advice, great story. But what I loved was uh, he starts the story off 1.6 years ago. <laughs> well, it's a little more than one and a half. Uh, not Who measures time like that? You know? just... <laughs> Apparently Dave Goble does. Dave Goble does. So, yeah. uh, that uh, yeah, that precision definitely made that story. That uh, precision made the, the numbers in that story very real to me. So, uh, this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about long shot futures. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can call us at three four seven two one five eight nine seven two, or join us in the chat room, or drop us a line. Either way, we'd like to hear what your what long shot futures you are rooting for. And uh, I'll turn it over to you now, Stephen. What do you got for us, long shot future? Well, I I had tried to get uh, uh, Brian Wang on the show because uh, he had written a blog post about uranium, and uh, it was actually pointed to by Glenn Reynolds. And in the in his post, he was talking about how you can get uranium from seawater. I'd heard I don't know maybe a month or two months ago that there's only enough uranium in the world to power uh, nuclear reactors for a short period of time, so we can't really look to to uranium to solve all our problems. Well, uh, Brian goes, you know, he says, no, no, there's plenty of uranium in the world. As a matter of fact, uh, we can we can go and uh, go to the oceans, the, the world's oceans, and there's a there's enough uh, there's enough uranium out there in the world's oceans to uh, to power 
give us all of the electricity we need for the entire world uh, for a billion years at current at the current level of usage. And uh, that you know that's that's a whole lot of electricity. And uh, the, the reason it's not done is because uh, uranium at, at present is because the uranium coming from the ocean is a little more expensive to get to than uh, uranium we can mine. Um, but uh, but that's, it's still a net energy gain and from doing that, right? Absolutely, and uh, and 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 uh, it's. I think it came to about like a thousand dollars to get a pound of uranium from the oceans. That's, that doesn't seem like all that much, you know. And uh, he, he was saying basically, you know, it, it would come to like a, a penny per watt, you know, uh, of electricity or something. But it, so it's 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 of it's it's of no uh, real. It, it, it doesn't really matter. The amount the amount that you have to spend to get the, the uranium from the ocean is not prohibitive at all, and it's already being done. So I guess it's not a long shot at all. Uh, and and the point of me asking him to be on the show and to tell the story of all that was that, you know, some some great futures are not really a long shot. Some things we you know we just continue to develop the uh, technologies we have and. Bang! We get uh, we get a pretty bright future, even without the benefit of a long shot. But the cool thing about long shots is that uh, you know it makes things it, it it can throw a monkey wrench into the into our uh, into our plans, you know, because we can't see what's going to happen, you know. So right. Well, I I think that um, it's it's good to know that uh, as with the mundane singularity, which was another. Uh, uh, Brian-inspired topic that, that, that we did a program on a while back, um, that, that you can end up in a very good place in the future without huge, dramatic, unexpected things happening. Right. Um, because, because the possibilities are out there for, uh, for, for good stuff to happen um, just, just, just based on some, some pretty linear trends, just, just following uh, some, some natural developments and looking at things like, well, how much uranium do we actually have? And I hadn't seen the billion number. I saw that uh, if we multiplied our energy usage by 100 um, worldwide, uh, that uh, we would have enough uh, uranium to supply all the world's electricity uh, for 19,000 years or something like that. So either way, we've got plenty of uranium in the world's oceans. And and we probably could get it cheaper if we actually started doing it and uh, scaling it up, you know, and learning how to do it better. Uh, getting the right. uh, and getting it from the ocean, and you know, and while you're doing that, you might uh, you might uh, put in a desalination plant right there too. So, uh, kill a couple a couple birds with one stone. Um, there you go. While you're yanking the uh, uranium out of the water, might as well pull some salt out and uh, solve the world's problems, which uh, which hails back to our uh, our theme program of, of, of a couple of weeks ago. As a matter of fact. Was that Harvey or was that uh, uh, Matt that had uh, brought that up? That was Harvey. That was his. Oh, award-winning idea. That's what got him the coffee. Okay, all right. Okay, as far as long shots go, I guess to get back to what you tossed, when you tossed it to me and asked for a long shot, I guess my favorite would be the uh, the, the strange black light power uh, story. Um, this is a form of fusion, apparently, that shouldn't be happening, uh, according to the, the world's physicists. And uh, the people that are they're doing it say, well, you know, you know, should or shouldn't be, we got it working, and here it is, we're, we got it working now. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, this is just uh, uh, it's just a, a, a very elaborate hoax. It seems kind of strange to me uh, that 
you know, what would be the point of such a hoax? I, I guess to uh, drum up a bunch of venture capital and uh, and then disappear with it. But it seems it's like a, exactly. Yeah. It, it seems like uh, it's a pretty. Uh, they've gone. They've taken this one to the uh, ultimate uh, extreme. It's must. It'd be the greatest hoax of all time, right? <laughs> uh, I guess. But uh, you know, Michael has an opinion about it as well. I mean, having having looked at it and and and, and examined what what they're talking about a little bit. Uh, Michael, what's your thoughts on it? My opinion is that uh, I have absolutely no idea what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, seriously, it's, you, you read the claim, you can read the conclusion. I understand the English language usually, and the conclusion is that, oh, and then we get all this power, and it costs us virtually nothing to keep it going. Yeah, and I go okay. Back up to that first. We, do, we do this. Yeah. We do this. We do this. We do this, and then something magical happens, and we get all this power. Well, here's the magic part. Here's the magic part. Okay, so if you're if you're familiar with uh, uh, with quantum mechanics at all, with quantum physics, you know that uh, we, we we have this idea in our minds. Of, <laughs> and I'm not. Uh, well, you know, you know, if you've watched Cosmos or something, I'm not saying I like having a degree in it or anything, but. Um, <laughs> You have this idea, right? You know, hydrogen uh, atom is is just the the, the purest of uh, atoms, right? It's just the, the nucleus with one electron uh, flying around it, right? And when we say it's flying around it, we have this idea that it's that it's circling it, and we we picture these, you know, like like planets orbiting the solar system. But actually, there are there are predefined positions that that electron can be in, and right. those are the different um, different orbits, and, you, and there's an electron. Yeah. Yeah. Different, yeah. Quantum states, right? Is the right. Uh, is, is, is the basic idea, and the lowest of those is state number one. These are all integers, right? Qu the, the whole idea of quantum is uh, is these indivisible uh, numbers. So you can be in quantum state one, or you can be in quantum state two. There is no such thing as quantum state one point five. Okay, that does not like, exist. It's like grooves of a record. You can't. There's no place in between the bay. Exactly. It, you know, the, the the place in between simply doesn't exist. So what uh, Mills is saying that, that uh, he is doing is he is taking an electron and moving it from quantum state 1 to, like, quantum state 0.75 or 0.9 or something, uh, something less something than lower than 1. Something lower than 1, a state that quantum physics uh, tells us does not exist, okay? A, a state that is impossible and doesn't exist. And, and, by, and by, doing that, uh, by doing that, it creates energy somehow. Well, yeah, you release a, a, a huge amount of heat by moving the electron from that quantum state one to quantum state two. That heat, you can then turn a turbine, and so uh, from water, where this, uh, where, where the hydrogen atoms are, are grabbed and this is done to, you're producing a tremendous amount of energy. Okay. Um, it sounds like absolute insanity uh, to anyone who actually understands the physics, which you know none of us really do. Although we can, you know, we can use our little word pictures. Uh, 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 you know, to, to the extent that that's helpful. Yeah. But here's the thing: um, something's happening. They're getting energy out of it. Uh, the, in, in the in the post I wrote about this a few weeks ago, uh, a, a physicist was actually hired by I think it was Greenpeace of all people to go down and investigate. And he was as, said he was as skeptical as anyone else, and he still doesn't uh, uh, accept the idea that they're moving that electron to that position because he doesn't believe that that state exists. But he says. They're doing something, and energy is coming out, okay? It's definitely producing real results. So even if Mills doesn't understand what he's doing, 
Yeah, that, that, that could be a possibility. He could he could have stumbled on something and be doing something to create energy, and uh, and and doing it without breaking any laws of quantum physics. Yeah, it's possible. Oh, you know, and I, I suppose the long shot is that uh, there's something about quantum physics that uh, uh, this will this will uh, this will break some theories, and we'll have to rewrite everything. You know. And maybe the unified theory uh, uh, will come out of this somehow. And, but again, this is a, that's a long, long shot. If and, it uh, works, if it works, we we rewrite quantum physics, or somebody looks at it and goes, "No, no, no, that's not what's happening. This is what's happening." And then Mills rewrites his description of his process. Right. Which I well, R is a big R is a big pile of crap and um, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's a big hoax, and uh, and it look it, it ends up coming off like uh, you know what, what, that. That uh, guy that was cloning animals a few years ago in South Korea. Right. Well, I, I would say that. Um, so if we're going to rate this one, uh, th- that that quantum mechanics is in need of being completely rewritten. I would give that about a nine uh, on yeah. the long shot scale. But that uh, this might be a viable means of producing energy. I'm going to give that about a six. Okay. Um, they seem to be doing something. They've attracted uh, serious attention and um, persuaded some people who uh, know a lot more about this stuff than I do, who, who seem to be looking at it going, yeah, there, there does seem to be going, something going on there. So uh, it's a long shot, but uh, I, I don't think as long if we're, if we're ready to open our minds and say, well, maybe, uh, maybe he's wrong about what he's doing, but he's right that, he's, that you can produce energy that way. Well, I, I hope that he's right. He's right at least about that. I hope it's not. Uh, um, I hope it's not a hoax because uh, it, it would obviously that would solve a lot of problems if uh, it turns out that he's got some way to produce a lot of energy from, you know, room temperature water. So yeah, well, this is definitely one of you know. Again, these are the these are the futures we're rooting for. You know, even if yeah, even absolutely. if you think it's a nine, it's like well, I, I'm it's okay with me if they have to rewrite the books on uh, on quantum mechanics if. Uh, if we get the energy out of the deal, right? <laughs> to me, that seems like a fair trade, and I'd be okay with that. All right, well, Michael, uh, Michael Darling has a 9.837 on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think he's. Uh, I, I think a little great inflation is set in there. He's rounding that up to 10, and I just, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's that unlikely. But uh, it, it's unlikely, or it wouldn't be on our long shot list. Yeah. And did you have a? Did you want to give it a rating there, Stephen? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, five that something's going on there. And um, and about a nine uh, that uh, we have to rewrite the laws of quantum mechanics. Okay, so we're we're pretty close. We're in the yeah. we're in the ballpark. Yeah. All right, so let's try another one. I've got uh, my next one is I'm calling it the Usain Bolt factor, and I, I hope everyone got to see the men's hundred meter last night. Um, are we talking? Are we talking about eight uh, gold medals at this point? Is that right? Uh, uh, well, no. I, well, no. I'm not talking about the swimming. I'm talking about the 100 meter dash. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, not, not, not on Michael Phelps. I'm on Usain Bolt at this point. Okay. But, All right. Uh, one could use Michael Phelps as, as an example of the same thing. And actually, where I'm going with this one is, um, you know, how long of a long shot some of these futures are is going to depend on how much time we give uh, until until we're uh, looking for the outcome. Yeah. So, so Usain Bolt, a uh, Jamaican uh, runner, uh, ran the 100 meter in, I believe it was 9.69 seconds last night. Broke his own 
record, set a new world record, won the gold. And um, it's just amazing how fast world records in the sprinting categories and a lot of these other categories. I mean, if you've been watching the Olympics, you know, like in the swimming, they've got a green line showing you where the world record is, and you see all these swimmers ahead of it. You know, they're, they're, there are people yeah. who aren't even placing. They're not even getting bronze. And how cool, how cool is that, by the way, that they can that they have the technology to know where the world record is, and and have a line that that's, that follows the swimmers as they're swimming. Uh, that's that's pretty cool, and I'm pretty sure they didn't have that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure they didn't have that in the last uh, Summer Olympics four years ago. Um, it's certainly it, the first time I can remember watching that. Yeah, yeah that's cool to me. It's very cool. So. So, so Bolt has set this new uh, record, and the, uh, the the record for the for the sprint has, like I said, it's just been you know if you if you plotted it, it's 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 just been sloping downward dangerously. You know, it's a you're, you're heading towards one of these uh, exponential curves almost. I mean, we're we're just shaving hundreds of a second, hundreds of a second, you know, tenths of a second off the time uh, that it takes somebody to run a hundred meters. Yeah. So. Um, Apparently, we're getting close to an absolute limit, uh, at least of unengineered un, un, un people. <laughs> well, you would think, although although they thought 10 seconds was the absolute limit. Yeah. You know, not, not that long ago, they thought, well, nobody's ever going to be able to run this in less than 10 seconds. And, you know, now it's like, well, 9.7, that's got to be just about it. You know, you <laughs> beat that last night. So, so you look at it and go, well, I don't know, how low can we go? 9.5, 9.3? But you're right, eventually, for unaugmented humans. And, of course, there was this whole controversy about, uh, in the past, he has taken performance-enhancing uh, drugs. He's not on them now. He's certified for the Olympics. He, he won fair and square. He's clean. But did the fact that he had those in the past give him some boost even unto today? I don't know. Um, but, but, but the real question is, um, what will the 100 meters record look like in 50 years? Um, and will the Olympics be played with... Uh, Unaugmented humans, or will we see this this transition, this shift to uh, to people who have been augmented? I, my thought say, on my thought on that is that when you've got normal kids that are not even training for the Olympics, outperforming unenhanced athletes, then it's going to get pretty boring to watch unenhanced athletes, and and we'll make the shift then to anything goes. Uh, yep. And so my long shot future is I think we're going to have Olympians running the hundred meter in under five seconds within the next 30 years. Yeah. So 30 years from today, they'll actually beat the five-second mark on the 100 meter. Cool. And my uh, long shot part two on that one is everybody, all human beings uh, who want to, will be able to run the 100 meters in under five seconds within 100 years. It'll just be a standard thing. You know, it'll be like uh, uh, like a, I don't know, like a 12-minute mile, right? Uh, any, anybody pretty much who wanted to could, could do one of those, right? Uh, right. Yeah, you, you run 100 meters in five seconds within 100 years. I think that um, that will be the level of, and it won't even be considered extreme. That, that'll be the interesting thing. I think people will have, the human condition will have been augmented to that point that will that will do those astounding things, and, and it will not be considered any major extreme thing that's been done. It will just be considered a ah, pretty standard thing. Yeah, well, you know, sure, I had the, uh, you know, I, I had the upgrade Package done on the uh, uh, on on my uh, on my nerves, my bones. 
Um, I'm, I'm running that good artificial blood that uh, holds all the oxygen. My heart's been uh, augmented. And sure, yeah, I can run 100 meters in, uh, in less than five seconds, but, uh, you know, so can my grandma, right? I mean, that, that, it, it will be at that level of uh, normalcy within 100 years, at which point I don't know. You know, you'll have Olympians, if, if that whole paradigm even still exists, uh, running it in three seconds or, or less. I hope it does exist um, at that point because you know Olympics have been good for uh, good for the world. I think uh, by and large it's uh, it's been an opportunity for uh, uh, the nations to get together and uh, um, you know and do something other than uh, shoot at each other. So I, yeah, you know, I think so too. I, well, I, I think that in some form something like that will exist. Uh, it's just that uh, I, I believe that. Uh, Performance augmentation will get to the point where it might become questionable whether you can even have a meaningful competition and uh, some of that stuff. We, we we might have people getting together to compete in uh, completely different things that we can't even imagine now because uh, because we'll all be so augmented by then we'll all be capable of doing so many amazing things. Because I was watching him run that. I mean, it doesn't you know obviously it's a short little run you're saying there because uh, it's over just about before he starts. And I was just thinking, man, I'd like to be able to run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, that guy is really tearing. And uh, he, he had, you know, he had daylight between himself and uh, and uh, the, the 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 rest of the guys who were trying to catch him. Um, so I don't think it's fair for me to rate this one since I'm I'm putting it out there. Uh, what, what do you think? Um, Olympians running the hundred meter in under five seconds within thirty years. I'm going to give that about a four. About a four. Okay. Yeah. And everybody running 100 meters in under five seconds within 100 years. By everybody, let's say, you know. If, if, it seems to me if I, buy, if, I, if, I, if I buy the first one, the second one I get for free. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to have augmented people in, in, in uh, just a few years, then having everybody augmented to that level in a few years after that comes along for the ride. So I'll give them both four. Okay, and it uh, looks like our little skeptic in the chat room is giving it a two for everyone and a, uh, a two for uh, Olympians and a seven or eight for uh, for the general population. Okay, so so that's fair. And I note that uh, that uh, Harvey tells us that our heads are getting larger like the aliens, and it's hard to run with a big head. So uh, runners will have to genetically have wind tunnel tested uh, heads. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be really fast, and we'll be running with. Uh, Really with aerodynamic, aerodynamic uh, skulls, yeah, I, I can see that coming. Exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have aerodynamic skulls, that's right. So this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about long-shot futures, futures, future developments that we're hoping for, but that are by no means certain. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 347-215-8972, or join us in the chat room. And speaking of the chat room, Michael, uh, any ideas for long-shot futures that have... Uh, uh, come up so far from our from our friends in the chat room. No, we've uh, no. I, I threw out Bussard trying to get you guys steered that direction, and maybe we'll get there. But uh, no other uh, long shots have been mentioned. Okay, well we'll count you as a member of the chat room. So uh, get us going on Bussard thing. Okay, well this is, this um, is kind of a nice follow-on to the to the discussion of uranium and the future of uh, fission energy. So now so now we're going to talk about uh, fusion energy, right? Fusion energy, um, yeah, Harvey is mentioning in the chat room that as far as long shots go, the Cubs are still in it and looking good, and it is mid-August. Although wow. I would point out that uh, as a uh, lifelong Cubs fan, uh, mid-August and the Cubs don't always get along that well, although I have you know high confidence that next year is this year. 
So we'll just leave it at that for now. This, this uh, could be the year. This could be the year the Cubs go all the way. I want to say it was about a year ago that we were saying, well, the only way the Rockies could even be in it is if they won, like, the next 20 games in a row. And it totally happened. <laughs> okay. So anything, statement. anything is possible. All right. So hey, the last point. time the Democratic Convention was in Denver was 1908, and that happened to be the last year the Cubs won the World Series. Hey, that's cool. Okay. Maybe there's some synchronicity there, potentially. Who knows? Okay. I don't know what it takes when it comes to win the World Series. Maybe the Democrats have to meet in Denver, and that's what it takes. I don't know. Did the Democrats win that year or not? Uh, No, we elected elected a Republican that year. Okay. All right. Interesting. So, see, it's all connected there. But the World Series was over by then. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, Michael, tell us about Broussard. Broussard. Broussard um, is now dead. May he rest in peace. He died about two, uh, well, I think it was the, not quite a year ago. It was the fall of 07. Right. And um, he, at that time, and for several years prior, was working on an inertial electrostatic confinement design for a fusion reactor, or an IEC. And the idea, in a nutshell, is that instead of building this gigantic uh, device like a tokamak, or a tokamak, and just making bigness uh, and the the overall strength of the device or the mass of the device, what contains your fusion field. Um, His idea or his working uh, idea was that you could use electrostatic charge to confine um, or ionic, you'd confine the charge using an electrostatic field, which obviously doesn't weigh near as much as a gigantic uh, steel device. But you still need a big device. You still need to build a thing. You still need to accelerate um, your your fusible uh, atoms. Um, and then the question becomes, and you get this argument all the time in the, in the fusion land, do you get net energy? Do you, do you get a positive net? Boussard thought yes. He thought he was, uh, you know, 20 to $40 million of, uh, of working capital away from having a, a prototype that could show, look, if I could just build this thing and, you know, scale it up, I get net energy, and now we have fusion. So let me just put this in kind of movie language, if I could, all right? So fusion is the, uh, the, the thermonuclear energy that powers the sun. So we're talking about a reaction that's kind of like as hot as the sun. So in order to normally create a machine that will do that, you have to create a great big, huge machine to contain it. And basically what Bessard was talking about doing was no, you don't need a big machine. We're going to put it in this, like, magnetic force field, right? In, in a nutshell. And, yeah. and, okay. and, it's a, and it's a small machine, and, and about what size is it, Michael? Give, give us uh, something in the real world we can compare that to. Well, the, the last generation, like, prototype demo that they built would, would fit in your, your bedroom. It's not a gigantic thing. However, that working model... Uh, was designed to go, hey, we're going to prove the concept here because what we want to do is scale up one size bigger. And I think they're, they were at generation seven or eight when they got to that, that, that size and that design. And Boussard was, was at that point, uh, found out he had cancer and said, you know what, I got to secure funding for this thing after I die because if, 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 uh, if the cancer docs can't beat the cancer and I can't beat the cancer, I'm not going to be around to keep operating in secret because his funding was largely black budget. Uh, not a lot of people knew what was going on. Um, the Navy was funding a lot of the work at, at, down in New Mexico at his company. And um, so he went public. And as part of that discussion, the, 
these are the kinds of questions that came up. Well, you know, how big does wouldn't the thing have to be so much bigger? He's like, we didn't get to that part. We were doing proof of concept. We were doing uh, basic physics work. Now what's left, according to Boussard, is the engineering. And I'm sure if we had a room full of engineers working on it, they'd be like, yeah, what we need is a little bit more basic science before the engineering's really ready. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that. But what we're talking about is something that uh, could be accomplished, perhaps, if it can be accomplished at all. We're talking about something that could be accomplished for billions of dollars instead of trillions of dollars, uh, which is... Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Uh, uh, which is what the mainstream fusion programs are running right now, it looks like. Well, and the, and the great thing about fusion is, unlike, say, black light, uh, fusion is a process for producing energy that everyone agrees is possible, since, you know, it powers the universe pretty much. Right. Um, there, there's no scientific dispute as to whether it can be done. It's just, uh, you know, how to do it efficiently and how to do it effectively. And uh, Boussard may have been on to the method for, for making that happen. So how are we going to rate this one? What 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 are the chances, uh, what, what long shot factor are you giving Boussard style fusion within the next uh, within the next 20 years or so? Having having watched uh, some of his presentations that he gave right before he died, uh, um, he seemed very convinced and, uh, and a very brilliant man. I, I'm going to I'm going to give this guy a three. Okay, we'll give we'll give that a three. Michael's giving it a five with funding. If he gets funded, uh, ten, yep. ten plus yep. without funding. Okay, so yeah, absolutely yeah, with no money, it doesn't happen. That's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, not buck, it's not the kind of thing two guys in their garage can just dope out. Yeah. Right. No it's it's gonna, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big project, um, but uh, again, it, time becomes the other factor here. Uh, without funding, it's ten plus. But uh, even if the funding doesn't show up next year or ten years from now or twenty years from now, eventually, if the idea is sound, uh, it, it seems to me that someone will uh, will find a way to fund it. And uh, if it really can work, that uh, they will make it work. Now, I noticed in the chat room we had some ideas from Matt about uh, long shot futures that uh, that he's looking at. Uh, fill us in on those, Michael. Uh, let's see, Matt has, and I I, I kind of missed the thread here. So Matt, if you if you oh, could push this out a little bit, yeah, let me let me. Yeah, that's okay. You. He 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 posts that Nick Bostrom has argued that finding evidence of extraterrestrial life is bad news. Um, and Matt has said that I think conversely, anything that makes interstellar, interstellar travel would be good news for the probable um, survival of civilization. And I'd have to agree with that in the sense that eventually at some point we can't live on Earth forever. Right. So if we see other civilizations that have uh, made this leap to interstellar travel, we know that it's possible, it's doable, and it means that we can do it. I, yes. And so okay. we'd need to uh, we'd need to you know figure that part the interstellar part uh, obviously the, becomes the problematic component of that. Uh, Matt, I see you're hoping for faster than light travel and communication, but you really doubt it, giving it a long shot factor of nine point nine. All right, guys, what do you think? Uh, uh, faster than light travel and communication, Stephen? Uh, I'm a little more optimistic. I'd give it about an eight. It's it's a long shot deal though. We're, I think you know we have based on what we know, it looks impossible. But we don't know everything. We don't have a unified theory yet, and so I can't can't rule it out completely. Michael, what do you think? I, I, I'm going to go lower, not because I think we're going to figure out a way to accelerate something to faster than light and use it for uh, a, a modern telegraph or a modern 
personal transportation device, but because they'll defeat it with something like paired electrons or uh, some quantum particles that actually exist in the same place, in two different places at the same time, and we'll manipulate that relationship in a way that won't really be traveling faster than the speed of light, but it won't matter because it'll feel like it is. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Well, you know what? If, as long as it feels like it, as long as you get the same net benefit, uh, we, it, it, we, we can trick it out any number of ways, I would think. Yeah, now, uh, the old idea of uh, bending space, uh, warping space to, uh, uh, you know, uh, creating a shortcut between two different places, uh, that's, that's sort of the same thing, too. You're not really going faster than the speed of light, but uh, you might as well be. Like some kind of warp drive, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, actually, uh, Matt, stay tuned. This week, there will be a new edition of Better All the Time coming out, and I am addressing this very issue. Uh, and because I'm addressing this very issue, I'm going to give this a rating of, uh, for the, uh, you know, near term of the next two centuries or so, probably about a five. But for the long term of the next five centuries or so, it falls to a one. I think that uh, this is a solvable problem and that we will solve it. And that uh, faster than light traveling communication, whether they're really faster than light, or we've tricked it out somehow, will occur. Phil, do we have time for you to uh, talk about uh, talk about a little more quantum weirdness, the undo button? You know what? I think we're going to have to save that one to next week because uh, uh, because if we start now, it'll it'll take us uh, it'll it'll take us longer than uh, than, uh, than than we've allowed for the show tonight. So, so okay. why don't we save that? We've got several more of these, and I and I see that uh, that our chat room is starting to warm to the subject too. So keep thinking about. Your long shot futures. We'll pick this up again next week, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll pick our favorite uh, favorite long shot future. So what do we got? Long shot future part two. Show, long show. shot future part two. Yeah. Right. See if we can top our long shots for this week. What do we got going on uh, music wise tonight? The band is Yuma House, and the and the song is Red Car. Red Car. All right. So any uh, particular speculative significance to this uh, to this tune? No, it's just a happening tune this week. All right, Red Car by, I'm sorry, Yuma. Yuma House. Yuma House and Red Car. Well, we'll listen to that. And, Stephen, we'll look for uh, show notes, which we want to be sure and include a link to. Uh, I'm sure you were going to do this anyway, but let's be sure and include a link to uh, Brian's post over at Next Big Future on uh, on Uranium. That Absolutely. Yeah, we, we want to be sure and include that. All right, well, thanks for your contributions uh, tonight, Stephen. Thank you, Michael, and to all our friends in the chat room. It's uh, great being with you all, and we look forward to talking with you about long-shot futures even further next week on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night.